This is recording number 10820 from the Teaching Ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Vallejo, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, June 7, 2009. This message is titled, Broken for You. Communion Sunday. Sunday. It's the first Sunday of the month, and for us here at Crossroads, we we make a habit of uh, doing what Jesus said on the night of his betrayal, when he broke、uh, the bread, passed it to his disciples, and um, uh, uh, said, "This is my body broken for you," and and gave them to drink from the cup, and said, "This is my this is a new agreement, the symbol of a new agreement. This is my blood." Poured out for you, and、um, he said, "As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me." And so, there's no、uh, specificity about how often to do that. Just to, when you do, do it in remembrance of me. And so, it's supposed to be, according to Jesus,、uh, a regular practice among his followers. And so, we do that on the first Sunday of every month, and that's what this table is set up for over here. Most of you are well aware of that. But as with, I, I say this frequently also, but I'm going to continue to say it because it's true. As with anything that we do with re- repetition, receiving communion or the Eucharist or the Lord's table can become habitual. In fact, I used the word already that this is our habit.、Um, but we need to be really careful that it doesn't become Habitual, because then the meaning is lost, and it's just something you're doing, going through the motions. <clears throat> so this morning, I thought that we would just take some time before we take of the bread and the cup, doing what Jesus said in remembrance of Him, to remind ourselves what it is that we're doing, what He meant when He、uh, said, "This is My body broken for you," and to talk about who He was speaking to. When he said those words, so if you'll bear with me, that's where we're going this morning.、And、I ask you to turn to First Corinthians and chapter eleven. We're going to begin reading at verse twenty-three. Paul, the apostle, is speaking. He's writing to the church in Corinth, the city of Corinth, and he says this: "For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread." And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, "Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me." In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, "This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it, in remembrance." Of me, most of you know that Jesus on on that evening with his disciples, before he was betrayed, before his his crucifixion,、uh, he was celebrating Passover, a Jewish festival, a Jewish feast that commemorated the、uh, liberation of the Jewish people from their slavery in Egypt. But Jesus filled aspects of the Passover supper with fresh. Meaning, he took the bread and broke it, passed it among his disciples, and he said, "This is my body, broken for you." He took the cup, 
He said, this is my blood poured out for you. Great significance, great, great, uh, wondrous power in the things that he was declaring about what he was, it was a foretaste. He was describing what he was going to do and accomplish on the cross. But what did he mean when he said, this is my body broken for you? Turn now in your Bibles to Isaiah, back in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 53. The prophet Isaiah was giving us a glimpse hundreds of years before, the, before Jesus' birth, before the Messiah came. He was giving us a prophecy, giving us a vision um, of what the Messiah would do. Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. That means that he, the Messiah, was going to be pierced through. And you know Jesus, uh, his, his hands, his feet, his side were pierced, his scalp when they put that uh, crown of thorns on his head. It, it, Isaiah, hundreds of years before those events, was saying he would be pierced through for our transgressions. And that transgressions, that word there means rebellion. Rebellion. The human race, includes you and me, by the way, rebelled against God, against his, against his authority. It started in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve decided, uh, maybe we'll do what we want instead of what you've said we should do, God. And that has been the theme of humanity in its relationship toward God ever since. Jesus, and that has, has uh, created uh, devastating consequences for creation, all of creation, but including our lives. Well, Jesus uh, allowed his body to be pierced, it says here, for that rebellion, to cover that rebellion. And then it went on to say he was bruised for our iniquities. He was, he was uh, beaten and I, I, you, you know the story of Christ's crucifixion, so I won't go into detail, but he was beaten for our iniquities. Those are the things, iniquities are sins. Those are the things that we do because our hearts are in rebellion towards God. Jesus, when he went to the cross, he paid for both our rebellion towards God and he covered the sins or the activities or the thoughts that we have committed as a result. He was pierced through for our rebellion. He was bruised for our sins or our iniquities. Jesus, remember, he's saying, this is my body broken for you. This is what he meant. He goes on to say that chastisement for our peace was upon him. Chastisement mean, means accusations. You know, when the... the uh, Scribes, the Pharisees, people they were dragging in off the streets were making false accusations against, against Jesus. And you remember the story. They couldn't even get two people to agree about false accusations against Jesus. But he, as he was you know, standing there, the Bible says, as a, a lamb before its shears is, is dumb or um, silent, Jesus stood there and he took all of that false accusations 
so that he could put an end to all the false accusations that come against your soul and mine. Have you ever had those whispers to your soul, God doesn't love you. God doesn't love you. He loves Randy, but he doesn't love you. (laughs) You've heard that one, right? (laughs) You're a miserable wretch. You will never be able to please God. See, you did that again. All that stuff. Jesus stood there and took all of those false accusations so that he could put a stop to the voice of the accuser of the brethren. That's what the Bible, one of the names the Bible gives to the devil. And that voice you hear in those times, that's not God. The shame, the guilt that it wants to heap on you is not from God. But Jesus stood there and took it all. This is my body broken for you. The chastisement of, uh, for our peace was upon him. Then it goes on to say, by his stripes uh, we were healed. <clears throat> when they tore into his back with that whip and just laid his flesh bare, he was securing healing for us in every form, including physical healing. We already heard a testimony this morning about how God still heals sick bodies. There are many who want to say he doesn't, but he does. He does. There's nowhere in the Bible that says that God stopped caring about people's sicknesses in whatever form, physical, emotional, or spiritual. So that's what Jesus meant when he said, this is my body broken for you. He was saying... He was wounded to pay for our rebellion. He was bruised to cleanse our evil. He was chastised to provide us peace. He was striped to offer us healing. How many of you are glad for that? And it's my prayer this morning that if you have not, if you've never heard what Jesus was really saying when he use those three little words broken for you that the Holy Spirit will cause that truth to dawn on your heart today and that perhaps for the very first time you'll understand (laughs) what that cross means. It was for you. Broken for you. Now the second thing I want to talk about has to do with Who was he saying these words to? Now, of course, I just insinuated, and it's true. He was saying that to all of us. This is my body broken for you. All of us. Those words were for all of us. But on the night when he said them, who was in the room? Twelve guys who'd been following him around for a few years in, uh, in Palestine, Galilee, Samaria, and Judea. They came to be known as the 12 disciples. I want you to read with me from Mark chapter 3, beginning at verse 13. Mark is the uh, second book in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, chapter 3, verse 13. 
And he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. I love that. You and I are part of that. Even though this is about 12 men that he is going to bring into his inner circle, this is true for you and me as well. When he drew you into the family of God, it was because he wanted you. He wanted you, not just got stuck with you. <clears throat> so he, he called himself those who he wanted, <clears throat> who he, those he himself wanted, and they came to him. Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might <clears throat> send them out to preach and have power to heal sicknesses and, and to cast out demons. And now he gives us the list. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the names uh, Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him, and they went into a house. So there you have it. These are the guys that Jesus was speaking to, the specific men that Jesus was speaking to when he said, this is my body broken for you. Why is that important? Because this was a ragtag assembly of guys who so mirror all of the aspects of, of deprivation and decay and twistedness that all of us are part of, right? And so let's just think about for a minute who these guys were. First of all, there was Peter. Simon Peter. Jesus named him Peter. He was a denier. When Jesus went to the cross uh, or, or was taken um, prisoner and, and that, you know, by the, the process that would ultimately lead him to the cross, Peter followed along later in kind of a stealth mode and was waiting outside of the high priest's house. And, and uh, Jesus had already predicted that Peter... Get this. Jesus had already told Peter, Peter, before this night's over, you're going to deny you know me three times. And Peter says, oh, no, no way. Can't happen. I'm with you. <laughs> and so here he is outside. I mean, the, the, the circumstances have drastically changed. And now Jesus is a prisoner and things are rolling in a way that Peter had not anticipated. He's outside the high priest's house and he's confronted three times. Do you, I know you were with him. Oh, no way. I don't, know. I don't know that guy. I have nothing to do with him. Three times. I don't know about you, but there's been many times when I have denied the Lord. When I had an opportunity to stand up for him, to be counted as one of his, and I didn't. When someone, when I was in a conversation with someone and they were describing, uh, they were uh, telling me a, a foul joke or you know, some gossip that I, I really should not be participating in. Rather than stand there and be counted as a follower of Christ, I'll kind of go, <laughs> snicker, snicker. <laughs> you know what we do. And an opportunity to stand for Jesus passes by and I become like Peter. I don't know about you, but uh, I'm grateful that on that night, Jesus leaned over and said, look Peter in the eye and said, this is my body broken for you, Peter. 
Next up was James and John. Jesus called them the sons of thunder. Yeah, I, I like the fact that Jesus had nicknames for these guys, right? He called them, the, get the picture. They got leather jackets on the back. It says sons of thunder, right? <laughs> they were very, these guys were, they were fishermen, but they were very rough hewn guys, and they were so impulsive and arrogant. You just, you just wonder where their heads are at. Jesus set himself to go to Jerusalem. He was in Samaria, and he was going to go uh, to, uh, you know, down to Judea, to Jerusalem. And the Samaritans got kind of upset about that because the Samaritans and the Jews, they hated each other, and they, they were upset that Jesus was going to leave Samaria and go to Jerusalem. So James and John, they stood up and they go, Jesus, you want us to call fire from heaven down on these filthy Samaritans? Another time, they came to get this. They come to Jesus and they said, Jesus, we want you to do whatever we ask. Oh, and that would be? Well, when you come into your kingdom, we want the seats right on your left and right-hand side. Mm-hmm. That's where these guys were. They just were, you know, you just think, what were their, where, were their, where were their heads at? But on that night, Jesus looked across at them and said, this is my body broken for you, James and John. Then there was Andrew. Andrew was Simon Peter's brother. And Andrew was a tradesman, a fisherman. You know, there is no book of Andrew in the Bible. <laughs> he, he didn't really rise to the level of prominence and visibility that his brother Peter did or some of the other disciples. He was just a regular guy. I mean, there, were, there are a few things that, where he, his name pops up in the New Testament, not, but not very many. Does that diminish his value to, to God or his value to the kingdom of God? No, no. Now, how many of us have thought of ourselves as just kind of, well, you know, there's the, there, there's the elite of Christians and then there's just me, you know. I, do, I go to work every day. I, uh, I try to stay awake in church. I give some money. You know, that kind of stuff. And Jesus looked across the table to Andrew and said, This is my body broken for you, Andrew. This is for you. As much as it is for Peter or any of the others, this is for you. And then there was Philip. Philip was a pragmatist. He's the guy when... You know, Jesus was speaking to the multitudes and they were, it got late in the day and, and uh, Jesus says to his disciples, hey, let's feed everybody. Well, Philip, you know, he's the guy who whips out his calculator and says, Jesus, you know we don't have that kind of money. We can't do this. I don't know about you, but I am almost always that guy. I am almost always telling the Lord what he can't do. It can't be done. (laughs) Jesus looked at Philip. He said, Phil, this is my body broken for you. Yeah, amen. Then there was Bart. Bartholomew is also known as Nathaniel. He's the guy, when they told him that they had to, uh, found the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. He's the one who said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> now, we don't, we don't catch the, uh, 
the significance of that. But Nazareth was considered the hood, you know. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, let's let's call it what it is. Uh, Nathaniel was a bigot. But Jesus, he was at the table, man. He was at the table. And Jesus was saying to him, this is my body broken for you. <laughs> and then there's Matthew, the Bernie Madoff of his time. I mean, Matthew was a tax collector. You, I've told you this before, but, but in case you don't know, tax collectors in those days, he was working for the Roman government. He was a Jew working for the Roman government to collect taxes from the people. Here's how they did it. Rome says, okay, this is your quota for the year, Matthew. Anything else you can get, it's all yours, buddy. And so he had, you know, along with, that's why the, the tax collectors were so hated, because they were like extortioners. That's how they made their living. And Matthew was one of those. And he was at his little, uh, you know, tax collecting booth, out on the road one day when Jesus came by, Jesus looked him in the eyes and said, follow me. And there was something in those simple words that gripped this man's heart and he left his tax collecting and became a follower of Jesus Christ, wrote the, first, or wrote, uh, the Gospel of Matthew, the first book in the New Testament. But Jesus looked across the table had Bernie Madoff <laughs> and said, this is my body broken for you. And then there was Thomas. Now, you know the story about Thomas after Jesus rose from the dead? He appeared in the upper room, just appeared there after he rose. He appeared to his disciples. Thomas wasn't there. And he showed himself alive from the dead his, uh, his uh, uh, other disciple buddies, when they get a hold of Thomas later, they say, hey, we saw the Lord. He's alive. Thomas says, yeah, right. I'm not going to believe that until I can stick my finger in the holes in his hand. And then Jesus shows up again and says, Thomas? Now, I don't want to say Thomas was a skeptic because a, a skeptic is someone who's predetermined not to believe, but he certainly was skeptical. And Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. James and Thaddeus, pretty much the passage I read to you this morning is all we ever hear about these guys. They were totally unremarkable. But deeply loved by God. And their story, though it's not recorded in the Bible, is surely an epic just like yours is and mine. God is not, um, you know, he doesn't have stars and peons in his kingdom. I guess I, sh I should explain what a peon is because that kind of sounds pretty bad, but, you know, it's, sort of, uh, uh, it's a low-class citizen, all right? Um, he doesn't have that kind of dichotomy. He is writing an epic story in each of our lives. 
And whether we make a big splash, uh, you know, in terms of other people's eyes, makes no difference whatsoever. And Jesus looked across the table at these two guys that nobody would hardly hear about ever again. And he said to them, he said, this is my body broken for you. Then there was Simon. Simon, not Simon Peter, but Simon the Zealot. He was a political revolutionary. He was part of a, of a political, a sub, uh, an illegal political party called the Zealots that were devoted to the overthrow of the Roman government. They were, they were fire-breathing revolutionaries. Simon was one of those. In fact, the zealots would eventually become, they would so devolve uh, that they would en- eventually become assassins. Simon was one of those. But he was at the table because the love of God reaches out to everyone and transforms us No matter where it finds us, it transforms us. And Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. And then there's one last name on the list, Judas, who would betray Jesus. A betrayer is different than a denier. A betrayer uses his relationship for personal advantage. You know, it's nobody wants to identify with Judas. But I got to say, there are times when I have attempted to use my relationship with God for my personal advantage. I won't ask for anyone else in the room to raise your hand. But maybe there are some of us who in a little bit of a way could identify with Judas But even he was invited to the table. And even he heard the master say, This is my body broken for you.